Welcome back to Screenfish Radio. I am so glad you could join us this week as we are talking about Scream Vi. I think Vi. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the, the title? Scream. It's, I love that. Vi. I, <laughs> I like it. When, by the time it gets to Scream Eight, it'll be Scream Vi. <laughs> the fate of the Scream. That's right. Sorry, wrong <laughs> franchise. Sorry about that. We're talking about Scream 6, and I am thrilled to have two of my favorite people, Catherine Erskine and Julie Levac. Welcome. Welcome to you Hello. both. Hello. I, I cannot wait to talk about this one with you both. I, I, I'm dying to hear what you think. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> I said it. Look, I'm always <laughs> sick when we do this. <laughs> Brutal. Scream 6 tells the story of the four survivors of the Ghostface murders as they leave Woodsboro and start and look for a fresh start in New York City. However, they soon find themselves in a fight for their lives when a new killer embarks on a bloody rampage. As always, this podcast is rated S for spoilers. But to you both, what did you think of Scream 6? I know you're both fans of this franchise, so what'd you think? Yeah, I... I was a fan of this one. I was nervous, like one, two, and three, you know, they, they were from so long ago. Four was, I don't remember, was it maybe 10 years later? Yeah. I can't remember, quite a long time later. Also by Wes Craven though. And then they came out with five. So four, in my opinion, wasn't my favorite, probably my least favorite of the franchise. So when five came out, I was really nervous because First and foremost, it doesn't have Wes Craven, right? Yeah. And and it is largely a new cast. So I was nervous, but I was very intrigued by five. And then six, I really, really liked it. I thought that they were respectful to Wes Craven in the original trilogy. Um, I think that they, they did it justice while bringing it kind of into this new generation of viewers, right? So I thought it was very, very interesting. Um, a lot of people were kind of up in arms because they were in New York. Why aren't you in Woodsboro? But it's not the first time that they left Woodsboro. You know, in number two, uh, they went to college or university. I think it was in Ohio. Number three, they were in Hollywood. So it's not the first time, but it's the first time they've done more of an urban setting, right? This is New York City. It's a totally different vibe. It worked. It really worked. I liked it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Wes Craven dead or is he? Yeah, he passed away. R.I.P. Right, okay. Well, that's high praise. Um, (laughs) I don't know if I can follow that as eloquently. (laughs) Jeez. I was, uh, I hadn't seen any of the trailers, but this time I actually watched the trailer before. I feel like since I don't have like real TV anymore, I don't get to see any trailers or commercials for anything. So I was excited and I did watch it. And when I watched the trailer, I was very nervous because I mean, we've seen this done before. Jason went into the city. The dinosaurs from Jurassic Park went into the city. Like we've done this before. <laughs> well, they were in the shipping containers. They were released. There was they, running in the city. did, but is that the comparison? You I'm saying make? we take franchises from where they started mm-hmm. and we put them in New York and it's happened before and it has not been great. So when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this, 
this might be a problem. Could go either way. It yeah, really could have gone either way. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I would say so. I think um, I would echo what Julie said about it all. It just, it was respectful. It kept the franchise. Um, and having it in the city made it a bit different. And honestly, I jumped so many times. Julie could probably tell you, I like yeah. jumped in my seat like so many times during the movie. And the twist at the end, I probably wouldn't have gotten I don't know mm. if you picked up on it, Julie, but I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, you mean that but, it's everyone in the movie is the killer? Is that Yeah, <laughs> every person in it is the killer. <laughs> um, I liked the kind of, at first I was nervous at the beginning, as you said, there's spoiler alerts, that these kids from this like film studies program killed their film professor. And I was like, oh gosh, we've been here before and this is so dumb. And then when you go into the fact that they end up getting killed, I was like, okay, I can get, I can do this. This is going to be good. Um, and I feel like they did some really good nods to all of the other ones leading up to it with their little shrine that they put up. I found myself kind of feeling like, oh, nostalgic. Cool. Yeah, nostalgic. Like, oh, cool. Like, I remember that from that movie and the drawings of like, of all the murders and stuff. And then they had all of the suits and the masks from all the different screams um so I thought they did that really well I got nervous at the part where um I can't remember her name one of the four survivors was going over the rules again mm -hmm. and updating them and I was like is this going to be too silly is this but it, it went with what was the vibe of the movie so all in all I really did like it it was good and I feel like there was hints that another one's coming totally totally a lot of little hints well let's be honest right off the bat again spoilers we have no proof that gail died they said exactly. that she had a mild pulse and then they never went back to her story yeah, they, said she survived. they did they say she was they recovering she's gonna be okay yeah oh did they yeah they said they okay gail and and uh the fbi the, the twins right okay they said, oh, she's going to make it. They had a pulse. So I was like, oh, awesome. Yeah. I understand why we didn't see Nev. Well, I hear she um, she just didn't get the money she wanted. Yeah, yeah, I think that was it. Because It was hard, was though. I, I, was, I was definitely concerned, and I'm not quite sure how I feel about the fact that she wasn't in it. But it is really like, you know, handing the baton over yeah. to the next generation, right? Like, it makes sense. And I actually don't think it was awkward without her. I thought that they, that they handled it well. Um, but yeah, going back to what you said about the beginning, I was really scared at the beginning because I think both you, Kat and I went and saw it together in theaters, which is a treat, of course. Okay. And um, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, this is the first time we've ever actually found out who the killer is right off the bat. Yes. Like, what is happening? it was weird. And then we're like, what the heck are they going to do from here? Like, I'm scared. Are they really going to screw it up? I was very intrigued by the shift, yeah, but concerned as well. But then of course, you know, the whole thing just blew up and those weren't actually like the real killers. Um, so, so interesting, <laughs> interesting. They got us to get pulled back in. Cause I was like, oh no, if this is it, then like, right. there's no way they're saving this movie. Well, you know, it's funny because in that moment, I have to admit that I thought, oh, 
this could be interesting. Now, I, and I don't have the love of the franchise that you both do. I've seen most of them, I think. But it, when a new Scream movie comes out, I don't, I don't get giddy with excitement. I'm not saying you two do either. But I just, do. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Um, but, but the way they opened it, I actually thought, oh, are we going to see, is this going to be like a psychological movie where we know the killer and we try to understand the killer? You know, I'm not talking about going full Corey like Halloween uh, did, mm. which is, it, I mean, we talked about that one. Kat, hey, I liked it. <laughs> I know. And we talked about that. <laughs> Corey. Oh, Corey. But, uh, but no, they... I don't know another film franchise that manages to, and I and I, I say this with love, spit on itself over and over again without becoming a parody of itself. Mm-hmm. And I just I like I I'm impressed. I will say this. I mean the franchise has been around for what now, twenty-five years ish, roughly more, twenty-eight. I, I yeah. feel like even the series is reaching middle age. Oh, totally. Are we all are, as is Courtney Cox. No, I, I, I know, but I mean, like, the way that this, the tone that this one had was so funny to me, because even at one point, they're like, who cares about scary movies? And I'm like, no, wait, are you spitting on your own purpose for existence now? Like, but wasn't that the original purpose of Scream in general? Yes. I'm pretty sure. Scream 1 came that, out in 96 and it made fun of scary movies. Yeah, it was almost a parody movie. of scary movies. or Not a parody, that's the wrong term. Oh. But it was like almost like joking about the genre. And that's why you have people like Randy who are always... Mm. Um, he was a big movie buff, always talking about the rules and things oh, like that. Yeah. So that's what Scream was from the get-go but it obviously just became this cult classic throughout the years what's interesting in in six is you have randy's niece who i believe is mindy um let me just double check so i'm not saying the wrong name but mindy um has become the new randy always talking about the rules and what to expect and all this kind of stuff um so that was interesting there's definitely nods right so Mindy kind of talking like Randy, the scene in the parquette mm-hmm. where there was the uh, surveillance van where they, and they, they call it out, right? They're saying, uh, this is exactly how Randy died. Like maybe we shouldn't be doing this, yeah. but it was, the scene was exactly the same. Even um, the detective right at the end, at what, as, after he was revealed as one of the killers, um, he, he said something that was an exact, it was verbatim what Stu Mocker said in the first one, something like, everybody's going to die or I, I can't remember the exact line, but there were little Easter eggs, if you will. Uh, it, well, it, but that's what I thought was funny is that, yes, it did. It did all those things of nostalgia. And again, maybe I'm wrong, but I almost felt like it wasn't just, I mean, this one goes beyond scary movies now, because now they're talking about franchises. Now they're satirizing the franchise culture, not just what, which I thought was a fascinating very clever um but but it was interesting because it, like you said they start off with the the film teacher and the film students and it's like movies don't matter <laughs> which yep. 
the first one made fun of scary movies and maybe made fun of is like you said the wrong term satirizes i don't yeah. really know honors and satirize at the same time but this time it was sort of like yeah we don't care about that anymore and i was like this is what is happening because i think that that's... was a nod to how other scary movies have gone off the rails with their like like even with um was it halloween like halloween admit yeah it. halloween literally was like we've had 20 movies or however many movies 12 movies and just forget them all because now we're starting over again mm -hmm. and i feel like that was a nod to that kind of thing as well like there's well, and they're they're introducing a whole new group right like pretty much everybody is dead already from the previous movies sydney isn't coming back uh gail is pretty much the only legacy left so um it's it's i guess this is their way of transitioning and I got to be honest, it's it's terrifying to start with a brand new kind of cast, especially in like a whole new generation. I love them. Love Jenna Ortega, uh, Melissa Barrera, the the um, I'm going to get the actors names who play the twins, Randy's niece and nephew. Yeah, love them. Amazing. What do they call themselves? The four something? Uh, the the core four. The core four. Yeah. Legit. I love them. Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding. They're too good. I love them. I'm so glad that they all survived. <laughs> you. I was really sad when he died, or we thought he died. Oh my, that was a bad one, actually. Yeah, that was and that brings up another interesting twist in this film. That's sort of when we realize there's three killers instead mm -hmm. of the typical two. Yeah, yeah I, I think. Home. <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say, Kat? I just said, Daddy's home. <laughs> literally <laughs> um, but see you know it, when the interesting thing to me about that whole franchise culture is that it isn't limited to just horror films i saw that and i saw star wars which did oh. the exact same thing every franchise now does this thing when our, except for fast and the furious which is somehow although they tried and then they had to go back to the original people. They tried to get rid of the old yeah. guys and bring in new people, and no one wanted it. But Star Wars did the same thing. Episode seven, they they brought in one legacy character and a bunch of new people, or well, I guess more than that. But I mean, you know, Chewbacca is still a person in a suit. Like they had Han Solo yeah. come back. What? Spoiler alert! <laughs> Another film. Whoops. <coughs> anyway, and then and then all the rules they said applies to reboot franchises which is one of the things like when it came back like, was it last year was the was the previous one was it last yeah, year yeah it was pretty yeah recent. it was there was one during the pandemic yeah right and and i thought to myself i thought no pun intended on this one when are they gonna let this die but this film actually like says this they're like we have no intention of stopping because mm -hmm. we understand that like this, we understand that films are different now. You know, you had a trilogy back then. Great. Well, you know, uh, Jenny Ortega and uh, I, is it Melissa Barrera? Yeah. Who I love her character. Yes. Um, but it's like, they're the ones that are taking it over and that's the target demographic. We're the ones that are like, oh, Courtney Cox and oh, where's... Sydney, who I can't remember her name, uh, Nev Campbell, where'd she go? Mm -hmm. People who are 19 don't care. 
No. I don't care where Nev Campbell is. They're saying, you know. But we all care where Nev Campbell is. We're not 19. <laughs> Spoilers. You're, I know you're all 25, but none of us are 19. Um, but it's like the, this generation, they, they want, they need it in their own language with their own people. Yeah. Sure. But so this movie just, will never die. It's one of the smaller franchises. Like Freddie had, I can't even remember how many movies he had. I know Halloween had 13. Jason's had, I mean, he's gone to space. So <laughs> if you think about it. He's in the Fast and Furious world now. Yeah, they've still where, got lots of room to grow as a franchise. But, but you know, the difference there is that main character has to live. Yeah. They don't have to. They they can kill off the the villain every single time in this <laughs> franchise. In fact, we expect they will. It, I I almost I really wanted them to live, mind you. I know they can't because it ruins the twist ending. To kill another day, like <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought you know bring one, let one live, or kill off one of the core four because I, I'm sorry. I know I love them too, but they a lot of them got stabbed, and a lot of them are okay. stabbed a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised Jenna Ortega lived past the first scene of five. Like that was yeah. some intense stuff. Well, it it was on a Wednesday, so it was okay. Oh my god. Oh, okay. We're done. Good night. Good night. Try <laughs> the veal. I'm here till Tuesday. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. I think I think it is more of a big. It, it's a bigger deal that Nev Campbell wasn't in it than I probably originally thought but the reason I didn't think it was as big of a deal is because she wasn't really needed and I hate to say that because she's Sydney Prescott but I didn't actually feel like I missed her in this one no it's true and they mentioned her and I was like oh that's too bad then you get pulled right in and the thing that I was worried about is Courtney Cox's character is that in the last one when Stewie dies Dewey Dewey sorry Stewie (laughs) Which literally the next sentence was, who is my favorite character? (laughs) This is like a family guy thing now. When Dewey dies, my face is so hurt. Like that killed me because he was my favorite. But also she had decided she was going to, instead of write about the killers, write about the hero that he was and do his memoir. And so when she came back, I'm like, how are they going to make her the, like, queen bitch that she is in every and then I was like okay perfect you did it you said she was going to do the memoir and she ended up writing about the girls so she could go back to that character that is so beloved in those movies maybe that's where the next one's going to go they so Gail writes about Dewey to avoid you know the next chapter happening maybe they make a movie about Dewey and it's like in space no um (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, I think exactly. goes to the moon. I'm very interested to see where they go next. Dewey does New York. They're in New York. Oh, I don't want to see What's that. What's happening? <laughs> no, don't you? <laughs> that's not a film I want to see, actually. Not like that. <laughs> oh, man. Hey. Dewey. <laughs> He's my favorite. He's pretty great. Dewey, and now, no. <laughs> you know, I I, I kind of wonder, like, 
are they going to move it around now? Like, is the franchise completely lost on it? Like, does it need to stay in one place? I will say this. I will say this. This was my one criticism of the film. You're going to put them in New York City. And New York City didn't feel any bigger than, what is it, Westboro or whatever it is? or Hallsburg? Woodsboro. Woodsboro. Didn't feel any bigger than Woodsboro. Like, really? It didn't I thought it did. Listen, well, bearing in a, mind it's large it's just like a little university like, college community that's yeah. that that's why so i think that they i think that they maintained that that sort of community feel that woodsboro had while being in new york but maybe maybe that was a disservice i don't know I well like i mean you're in a city of 10 million people on halloween and about half of them are wearing scream masks and and the closest they got to touching on that was the subway yeah i love the subway scene subway scene was fun but that's why I mean. it was just sort of like it, it to me it was like a bit of a missed opportunity and that's not a huge criticism i was like but you put it in new york you're right I, there were a few times i forgot it was halloween yeah fair um but the subway the subway scene i think was really well done yeah it was i'm not, I'm not taking anything away from that I just thought that when it was New York, it would be like this massive, you know, like sort like of almost too much for them to handle as that small tight knit group of friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And for, for, a, for a core four from a small town in a massive, one of the biggest cities in, in North America, they handled it very well. <laughs> it yes. was Shocking. Just... Well, they had Kirby. Oh my gosh, Kirby. I want to kill Kirby. Kirby. <laughs> you want to kill Kirby? Oh gosh, Kirby. Well, there's the next movie. Who is Kirby? Uh, Hayden FBI agent. Oh, Kirby. Right. She played the FBI agent, the one who was in the previous one, or like, not previous one. What was it? Which one? She was, was in four. Four. She, she died? No. No. Well, I thought you said they killed Kirby. I was like, I want to kill Kirby. Oh, you want to kill Kirby? She was my least, <laughs> least favorite character. I don't know why. Least favorite in four, six, or both? Both. Hmm. Well, maybe in in six. In six. Really, I'm surprised. The whole like making her into a FBI agent, which I get, but maybe it's just how the character played it or how she looked. Like, I was just like, you you stick out like a sore thumb. I feel like. Hmm. Well, I guess they just needed some sort of legacy that wasn't Courtney Cox. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and actually I appreciated that because again, I didn't even know that's that uh Nev Campbell was in all of them. I knew she was in one, two, and three. I thought she wasn't in four. Nope. Yeah, she, she is. Oh, but they're, they're more they're smaller parts in four and five. Yeah. Well, five I saw. I didn't see four. And I, I remember I thought that that's why it was a big deal that she was in five. But I'll be honest, like even her being in five, I thought, okay, guys, you're just you're stretching it now. Like she's just mm -hmm. Oh, she's at home with her kids, but let's bring her back. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why back. I didn't miss her in six because it just, it was unnecessary. Yeah. But in four, the, one of the killers in four was her cousin or her niece. Yeah. Like yeah. Some niece. sort of family member of Nev Campbell's. Right. Right. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I didn't miss her at all. I, I, I'm okay with them bringing in legacy characters and all that stuff and killing them off. Do whatever you want, you know, do, do your thing. As long as your writing is good and you're, you're engaging it. I don't care what, who's in it. I like, yeah. but that's me. Like I, again, no, no emotional ties to the franchise. Um, but if I see one, I like it. And I like sure. this one because it had, it was, it fascinates me that they're still finding ways to do the exact same thing in a totally different way. Like they, this is not any different than the other five films in a lot of ways. It, it follows mm -hmm. all the same beats. But you gotta have the formula. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's- Preach it, Randy. Right? Um, and I think that this franchise does it better than a lot of other horror franchises. Mm. Well, I I feel like, and I could be wrong, I feel like this franchise continues to bring in people that love the franchise. Mm -hmm. now, again, I don't watch a lot of horror. We go through this every time. But anytime I see this, it I, I could be wrong, but it feels like it's usually new writers. And it's almost like everybody gets a new, gets a crack at it. You know, it's sort of like I, we all love what you've done and i could be way off on that but I, that's that's what it seems and, and i think that's helped the franchise because they sort of know what the markers they gotta hit i i'm telling you this this whole movement to the franchise idea was fascinating to me and took it outside of the realm of horror movies i thought that was fascinating so here are the writers kevin williamson wrote one two and four Aaron Kruger wrote three. Uh, James Vanderbilt and Gus uh, Busick Busick wrote five and six. Oh, they wrote they they wrote both films. Yeah, and the same direct. So obviously, Wes, Wes Craven uh, directed um, one to four, and then the directors for five to six were Matt um, Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillett. I think they really did well. I think by their predecessor did. like I think they really stuck to what his vision was and what he wanted I think they really respected him well yeah I agree in what way they didn't try to make it anything that he wouldn't have done like I feel like they stayed true to his formula they stayed true to his kind of scripting and direction it didn't feel like it was a totally different movie with a new director you know like the rob zombie um halloween halloween that's not no like you know some people loved it some people hated it and some people were indifferent but you could tell there was a huge like when rob zombie did his halloween it was hugely different than the other ones and i feel like they've kept it in the format that he has started with so it was kind of a, I wouldn't say seamless transition because obviously he was so amazing at what he did, but I feel like they, they kept what he would have wanted because they know we're best friends and I talk to him all the time. <laughs> yeah, they made a really big deal when they were doing press for five, they made a really big deal about Wes Craven and how everybody was tentative to yeah. sign up for this film because it wasn't with Wes and they didn't want to be disrespectful to the franchise. Um, so I think that they all had quite a lot of input, especially the legacy characters, a lot of input mm -hmm. into how they could make it work. And five was good. 
Um, but yeah. six, I think was even better. I think they really got comfortable with that, um, with that balance between kind of the Woodsboro and 2023. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree completely. I really like uh, Melissa Barrera's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, your name correctly. And, and I mean, the idea of bringing in a character who's the kid of another character is not new for any franchise of anything. Well, we got to reboot it, so we'll make it so-and-so's kid. But the idea of it having, of having your hero be the killer's kid is a little different. And having her sort of fight her demons, but give in to them, but we cheer for her, but we fear for her, I think it's a fascinating mix. Yeah, she's a, she's a really interesting character. Definitely like sins of the father kind of vibes. And then we, we get that nature versus nurture situation as well, because she, you know, grow up, grew up a fairly normal child and was living a fairly normal life. But then when she sort of gets a taste of murder, she feels satisfied by it. So it was very interesting um, watching her sort of psychological journey. And then I, I thought that it was fairly well done. I think that the sort of Billy Loomis scenes where he's coming to her in her mind could have been really cheesy. I think that they were pretty well done. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I'm glad that she's not just sort of a surface level character. Yeah. And he was doing that with her in five and mm-hmm. she even ended up putting on his, his, like her own father's mask. Yep. And, and using his knife, I think. And using his knife. Yeah. But when Jenna Ortega's character sees her killing the person and kind of, I think it's that moment that kind of breaks her out of that. Like, you know, she'll never go fully Billy Loomis. Mm-hmm. Because she's that Jenna, or the Jenna's character. Yeah, it's it's strange because it's scary what she's capable of. Yeah. But we do root for her, and it's almost like she's, <clears throat> pardon me, it's almost like she's using her, her what what would it be called? So whatever you know, her powers for good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a strange yeah. way to 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 say it, but it's kind of how I felt. Um, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in Halloween with like what it how is the evil seen or is it you know passed down generationally or is it passed down biologically or is it like it is nature versus nurture type thing Mm -hmm. passed through Corey maybe Corey was pretty freaking Corey (laughs) oh Corey I I love that conversation okay so family in this film is is all over the place and I was wondering you know we've already started talking about it here do you think that family determines who we are Mm. I think it has a big impact on who we are yeah to an extent for sure but I, I think that it, I, I always feel like it's a mixture of family and environment mm-hmm. and um, Who's learning raising you? sort of what? Who's raising you, right? Like, 
if you're Billy Loomis's kid, but you're being raised in a home that's filled with support and love and, you know, all of that, then. We should have like a psychologist on here because I feel like I know nothing about truly like, you know, what's in my brain, what's in there from my parents. Do you know what I mean? Sorry. It sounds weird, but no, truly. I just hear what, what's here. in there that that is passed down from my parents or my grandparents that that's there because it's just there genetically as opposed to something that I've learned or or chosen. Well, there's a fascinating study done on rats and it's going to sound crazy, but they... Um, scientists had put rats into a controlled environment, male rats into a controlled environment. And every time, like every so often they would spray like, um, like almost like a floral perfume mm -hmm. um, and then electrocute them. Oh, and when they smelled the perfume, there would be a follow-up with the electrocution and they developed a fear for the smell because they knew it was going to happen. And what they noticed in the, you know, and the, the female rats were not involved in this, but when they had babies with those male rats, those tendencies of the, of that smell lingering and that kind of being put off by that smell were in not only the babies, but the grandchildren as well of those. Wow. So you saw it, it, it watered a bit down generationally, but you would see that fear and that anxiety and they had never had those electrocution like test done on them, but because of what trauma does to your brain, it actually can rewire and stop certain areas of growth, which will be passed down generationally. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, it, it's so amazing. And they say it too with like parents. I mean, I'm totally going off because of the whole psychology thing. Like mm -hmm. if you have an anxious, a mother who is anxious during the carrying of the baby, they will nine times out of 10 have an anxious child and an anxious um, adult come from that. I mean, that's a lot of stress to put on mothers, but <laughs> I think it's, it's interesting what the body does and what the brain does in there. And yes, you can carry those hereditary traits. We see that in um, addiction mm. and people being more um, susceptible to addiction because of a parent's addiction or a family member's addiction. So it could be the same thing for mother. Wow. Can you believe this, uh, this discussion came out of screen? Just saying. I just want to know if Kat's saying that that means that, uh, if your dad's a serial killer, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you could have those tendencies. Yes. Because you would have the same genetic makeup and the same, not the exact same brain pattern makeup, but the things that would have excited her dad about murdering could, it, it may not go to every child that he's had, but there could be one that's more drawn, just like people who are more susceptible to alcoholism and, and drug usage. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um. I, I got no words. I got no follow up for that. I'm trying. I'm like, they may never act. So on smart. <laughs> they may never act on it, but it's like you know, everybody has something in them. Like you see, like most of the CEOs that always have always said that 
all the most CEOs and people of like that high driven lifestyle have sociopathic tendencies. They're not killing people, but they're making millions on the stock market and kind of have that ability to separate their lives from their drive. Wow. Rerouting those, uh, yeah. those feelings. Wow. Neuropathways. And- sure. Which, which is interesting going back to the film. Um, what is her character's name? What is Melissa? Sam? Is Melissa Barrera Sam? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sam in this film, I mean, I feel like Sam is looking for a family almost enough to make Vin Diesel blush. Like, she keeps talking <laughs> about, like... Oh my God, we need a crossover. We do. <laughs> if they all go to space. <laughs> That's right. Um the fast and the screamiest um (laughs) i don't know um but but even to the point that she's talking to gail and gail's like oh i've never had any kids it's like oh i've never had a mother and or something Mm -hmm. i'm sitting there like can't you two just get together like (laughs) they she said you'll always have me yeah. she does say that yeah uh, and then they were then i thought they were going to kill her off i was like oh that, how dark is this gonna go like <laughs> i'll be your mom <laughs> well and if we also think about the relationship between sam and tara the sisters mm-hmm. right like um so tara is you know her entire life is affected now by sam and her past uh and just you know Sam is doing everything that she can to protect her sister, but also keep that relationship going, right? Like she, she's almost like a mother figure to Tara, uh, very protective. Um, and just because she doesn't seem to really have anybody and she really holds that dear. So it's, it's very interesting. It's the family between the sisters, even the siblings who are Randy's niece and nephew. Um, it's it's there it's there in a lot of the storylines the core four that they say that like we're a family we're the originals yep we're always going to be together I, I continue to be fascinated with I mean this has been it's not new and I know Fast and Furious is the biggest joke on this but choosing your family is in everything now everything mm. now even even to the end of the Star Wars films, choosing names, choosing family, as opposed to the family you have and the family you want. Sure. And I, I continue to be fascinated with that because you're right, the core four, I think I, I think they refer to themselves as a family. Yeah, they do. Um, and, and Gail's the mom now, which is, the only thing that strikes me as odd about that is that they, they punched her in the face when they see her. And then it's like, you know, I wish I had kids. You know what that's called? Trauma bonding. (laughs) No, but that's that's also a throwback, right? Because that happened multiple times in the previous movies. It's just a thing, right? Like the the heroine punches Gail Weathers. (laughs) Bam, bitch went down. Straight out of the first Oh, I love that. I had to rewatch it. Oh, who was that again? Rose McGowan? Yeah. Thank you. Was McGowan's in this franchise? <clears throat> yeah. yeah, the first one. It was iconic. Okay. She died via electric garage door. Yes, 
she tried to get through that doggy door but those hips they don't lie they don't lie and they don't help you escape let's be real she could have fit just saying right she totally could have I always looked at that and I was like I'd be lucky that door would not be lifting me off the ground (laughs) yeah you'd be like (laughs) oh my gosh we're really going off the rails here I love it I mean that's why we do this right (laughs) that's what you're uh you're um what's the thing that you put like uh the click the title page should just be me doing that (laughs) (laughs) we have a gif Screamfish's first gif um Julie you wanted to talk about legacy Mm -hmm. anything specific you wanted to address I think it just really um, echoes the conversation about family. So there was a lot of talk about legacy characters, um, but really I was also thinking about um, the legacy in terms of Billy Loomis and Sam Carpenter. Um, so, so really it has been, um, has been addressed, but I just thought, you know, I kept, every time I thought of it, I kept thinking of this word legacy and I thought it went, probably went a little bit deeper than just oh the the kind of satirical legacy character in the franchise and the fact that they kind of kept repeating that but I thought it was interesting and even like even um Sidney Prescott's legacy in this whole story um how everybody even the legacy of the story itself how everybody throughout the franchise is just obsessed with it, it it's just become a beast of its own so yeah, I just thought it, I thought it was just an interesting point that legacy would, would always come up. Do, do you mean that people keep bringing up Sidney Prescott's legacy? Is no, that- just in general. I mean, that's one of it. Uh, that's, that's one of the points, but legacy in terms of, of family. And um, it's interesting because Billy Loomis is always, at least in Sam's head, encouraging mm-hmm. her to kind of live her destiny you know who you are, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm in you and, and, um, she's yeah. his legacy. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it always does come back to family because even scream one, it was, um, Sydney's mom who had been murdered. Yeah. yeah. Or like, yeah, because she had been having an affair. Like, yeah, exactly. Sins of the mother. <laughs> And so the whole thing was family. And, that, and that's yeah. the thing, Steve, you were talking about. It's all throughout this movie. It's, it is truly all throughout the franchise because the whole reason about the first one was Sydney's mother was, mm-hmm. um, was sleeping with Billy's father and that broke up Billy's oh, parents. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. And then in the second one, um, in the second one, it was Billy's mother. Yes as the killer really yeah yeah sam carpenter's grandmother actually (laughs) and then in the third it was sydney's half brother Mm -hmm. because the the mother was allegedly um promiscuous and and had had another child that sydney didn't know about who didn't live a bit of a life (laughs) yeah and then in the fourth, it was Sydney's uh, niece, if I'm not mistaken, or cousin, I can't recall. So it's throughout the entire thing. It's always been like sins of the father kind of theme. 
Yeah, Jill Roberts. Um, cousin. Yeah. It was Jill, it was um Sydney's cousin. There we go. To become as famous as she was. That's why she became Jill became the killer. Yeah, because everything was all about Sydney. Sydney. It yeah. was like a Marsha, Marsha, Marsha yeah. situation. <laughs> um, here's a question. This go. I'm sorry. I'm just going back to legacy here. Sure. The killers. This, I, this is a question that is just, I'm trying to form it, so forgive me. I don't. Okay. <laughs> Those are the best ones, though. Touché. Find it. Find it. I just, I've chosen not to forgive you. <laughs> there it is. Maybe that proves my question. Does Sam's, <clears throat> do you think that Sam's decisions in any way affect Billy's legacy. Um, hmm, I don't. Again, it's a weird question. I maybe it does. It probably doesn't. But I. It's just I'm. I'm. Well, I mean, they keep saying that she was the killer. Like they kept blaming her for being the killer because she was Billy's daughter, and that she was haunted by that, and so that affected her. But the fact that she's showing that, yeah, maybe I do have that like understanding of the rage that comes before killing, I'm not going to end up like you. Because that was her big thing, right? Like, and that's what um, Tara says to her, like, we may have all gone through this, but we're not going through the same thing you are, because they all were mm -hmm. calling her the murderer and saying, yeah, you're Billy Loomis's daughter. So I think he does have an influence in her and what's going on with her and how she chooses to live her life. That's interesting. Yeah, that's right. Because I guess she's she's bearing the weight of his life. Yeah. And they were quick to throw her under the bus and say it was her and agree. Everyone just kind of jumped on that bandwagon because yes, of course it would be her. She's a serial killer's daughter and these people are dying like her father killed the original people. So mm -hmm. she carries that burden. And no one else does. People are awesome in this movie, aren't they? <laughs> They're like the worst. Everybody, every every other person that's walking by them, they just treat them like crap. Yeah. But, do you, but it's it's not only mob mentality, but there's bias too in that. Like, it's it's conscious bias in the sense that, like, if you knew someone that you knew's parent, father like not great grandfather not grandfather their father one generation behind was a serial killer you wouldn't kind of have your eyes sideways even if they were the nicest people ever kind of wanting to see yeah that's a fair point i wouldn't say that about someone who didn't have a serial killer as a father but if they did i would be like that's nice i'm glad that if we don't have a serial killer yeah, as a you father, two are fine in look at us sideways <laughs> you don't know me you don't no, know no, my no. family <laughs> but you would always have that if whether it's conscious or unconscious you'd always be fighting that huh i wonder yeah. how far the apple's fallen from the tree and then once the mob gets into it and the news and the tabloids get into it you're getting things thrown at you in the street then evil dies tonight or does it or franchise anyway um but I just thought about something as well, because um, to continue on with the kind of the family aspect of the killers and why they kill, 
you know, the killer in five, I can't even remember his name, but then the killer, the killers in six were the family of the killer in five, the father and the brother and the sister. Oh, what was his name? I keep wanting to say Seamus. I don't remember. <clears throat> it was one of those. <laughs> Richie Kirsch. See? Richie. You got Seamus. Seamus. Richie Kirsch. From Richie Kirsch. I gotta be honest with you. I didn't. I could care less about the killers from five. Like yeah, I, I was, I, I was very underwhelmed by the reveal. Yeah. Who cares? You know what I mean? They didn't spend enough time on their story. I don't think so. When they were revealed as the killers, I'm like, well, that was boring. And in this one, when they revealed the, was- the boy and the girl as the killers, I was like, really, this is terrible. I hate it. This is yeah. so boring. But what made it better for me was that there was a third and that it was the father and the two and the two kids like the the detective being the killer was um you know it, it made it a little bit better for me but if it was just the two i'd be like you gotta be joking i'm bored yeah. you know in scream five it went back to the original where it was the boyfriends right right and like, this random girl that nobody cares about who, who yeah she? it was the boyfriend but that was tara's best friend <sighs> yeah i guess I mean, I, I just don't think you. that they, they ran with the story well enough. I was just no, sort of like, they were very forgettable. Uh, and I think you leaned over to me in six and you said, if it's the boyfriend again, I'm leaving. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got to have some twists, okay? <laughs> I know. But it was we good. love Josh Chagurro. We don't want him to be the murderer, okay? Yeah, no. I, I, I got to respect this franchise or at least at least this this one of it because they tell you it's everybody like they 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 don't just like try to make everybody look innocent they try to make everybody look guilty and i was mm-hmm. like wow even even the characters are saying it's probably you for this reason and this reason and this reason because you're the boyfriend and because you're this and the because you're the innocent guy uh who's new here you're the one that's i'm like and then somehow I loved that. Yeah, but then somehow it's still surprising. I'm like, wait. You kind of have that, like, yeah, that's true. It could be you. Because she even said it was so easy to rig roommates. Um, yes. and I think that's a nod back to the first one where they're all accusing each other. <laughs> um, I thought I I swear it was gonna be Mindy, one of the Fab Four or whatever, because um when she got slashed in the arm Ugh. i was like okay it's happened before where they have these like super you know super surface <laughs> level injuries just to make it look good like oh i was attacked so it yeah, can't be yeah they even did that where they stabbed each other exactly to make it look good so when she got slashed in the arm i was like oh my gosh she's making such a big deal out of this tiny little slash and then all of a sudden it's bleeding everywhere i'm like no that's a squib is a squib the, the blood squid. splatter thing oh it's a so uh, that's yeah. what yeah I, I i was very sus as my daughter would say about this uh this mindy <laughs> i just wanted her girlfriend tried to crawl across a ladder with half of her guts falling out there is absolutely no way that she didn't just die right there on the bed i'm sorry that right was he's like twisting it and she's like ooh. well he i i said this to you in the movie they gave her the Steve. Yeah. The first, you know, scene of the first movie, Drew Barrymore's boyfriend from, 
I can't even remember, but yeah, they gave yeah, her to yeah. Steve and there's no way she would be alive. Just saying. Can I say I don't like that you referred to that as well, the Steve? It's I coming for know. you. Sorry. <laughs> I, I apologize. That's <laughs> the It makes it sound like it's a thing is all I'm saying. It's the Steve well, and I, I prefer. Who knows who your parents are? He's an accountant. <laughs> Ter- terribly exciting. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, oh my goodness. The best way to stay safe on Halloween is to not have sex, not to get drunk, and just stay home in your pajamas and eat the candy you bought to give out kids. Yeah, and don't yeah. answer your phone. Right? You idiot. Or just say, if they say you don't, do you like scary movies? Just say no and hang up. Absolutely not. I'm into a good rom-com. Thanks, anyway. I don't need my ducks cleaned. I'm looking for a new Hugh Grant movie, actually, as we speak. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, that's hilarious. Did you guys notice? Okay, I I must admit, I didn't notice this. But upon my review, my, my research afterward, the marquee said kind of hints to a Jennifer Jolie a Parker Posey you know return yeah I did not notice that the first time I read it. I'm sure <clears> Steve <throat> got up and walked his dog about five times during this movie so he probably didn't see it <laughs> I was in theater and watching like this like I always that's do. what I said I was like <laughs> Steve was probably just like Meh. horror movies are so much more enjoyable if you just don't watch the killings I'm just <laughs> which is ironic because I watch every killing in a John Wick movie, but uh, <laughs> John Wick Four. That's too funny, but yeah, um, no. Yeah, apparently, the marquee. I, I saw a sort of a screenshot of it. Apparently, the marquee says Jennifer Jolie retrospective. So I guess I, I my presumption is that she survived three and went on to have a lovely career as an actress. And all these years later, you know, I guess has a, a nice, a nice list of films under her belt. And they're now doing some sort of, you know, recap of her films in that theater. We'll see. We'll see. That, that must be their next legacy character to come back, right? Well, they touched on Stu with the TV set too, because it says, um, that's right. On Reddit, it said, if Stu can be alive for <laughs> Scream 3's original story, Jennifer can be alive. She could easily just be passed out and saved by EMTs. Stu had a TV dropped on his head and was bleeding out of some places. Since Stu can be alive, Jennifer Jolie has to at least have a chance. Are we honestly thinking Stu is still alive? No, he was. Didn't he come back? Not Stu. Hmm. Who are you thinking? Um, Because Stu was the killer, the second killer in one. Yeah. Anyway, that's whatever. right. Sorry. I don't know why they said that, but that's okay. But but again, that's another trope, right? They always come back. You have to shoot them in the head. Yeah. Always. Um <clears throat> speaking of shooting them in the head. What? <laughs> wow. Um that's the best segue I've heard in a while. I know. I know. I do this for a living. Um <laughs> so there was a lot of talk as well about the fact that Ghostface used a gun. Yes. And- yeah. Remember, I had a fit when he when he used a gun in the uh, 
store. I was like, whoa. And so, so I, I did, again, I did some research and I think it's the first time that Ghostface has used a gun as Ghostface. Yes. But Stu Mocker did use a gun when he was kind of flashing it around at, um, at Sydney in the kitchen at, at the house. But, um, but no, I mean, obviously that's after they were revealed, so to speak. And I think it must've been Dewey's gun or something like that. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But it was, it was a big deal to, to have Ghostface in Ghostface do the gun situation. Again, it wasn't his gun. I if Ghostface just turns around and starts like gun wielding in the next one, it, it, it's weird. It's very weird. I got, I was, I was worried. I saw that and I was like, no, no. That was one of the things that freaked me out in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Cause they show that part in the trailer and I'm like, no, we don't use guns. Yeah. The teaser of just that uh, convenience store scene I was like the vibe is very different I was kind of concerned but it was good I won't like it if they continue like that (laughs) I'm intrigued I'm super intrigued to see where they go next where what who I think the franchise should keep going until we get to like scream 33 and then everyone is the killer and they're all just standing there (laughs) Like in the office when they're standing there with their finger. <laughs> I honestly think that the the only next step is to have Sydney go on a rampage and be like, you know what? Screw you all. You know what I mean? Like I'm done. No, it's gonna be Jenna Ortega. Could you imagine? It's gonna yeah. Be I feel like she would be like because she was not worried about her sister when she saw her sister stabbing him like crazy. She was like mm. Well, the easier, the easy route would be to have Sam, you know, just get in touch with her inner murderer, I guess. Inner daddy. Yeah. She, she would snap maybe, you know, they, they adjusted her meds or something and she's having too many, you know. It turns out to be one of those long commercials that you see for medications that have side effects. (gasps) Oh my gosh. The one with the butterfly? It helps you sleep, but may may increase. Ask your doctor if you're, uh, ask your doctor if so-and-so is right for you. It's just her off her rocker. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Scream? Is that what you're saying? It's like. Wow. This is, um, this is half brilliant and half just pure psychosis. The last the last symptom is dry mouth. She's just so angry. She's always drinking oh water. The my whole gosh. <laughs> Does someone have a mint? Well, I can't believe I, this is on video too. Oh my God. On that note, maybe we'll transition out. Uh, we'll, let's screen it or skip it. Scream six. Scream it or skip it. I'm gonna say scream the heck out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Go rain it. I liked seeing it in the theater. It was good. It gave the vibe. And we went to a VIP theater, so <laughs> in those cushy chairs. Go because a little more padding for the, yeah. for the jump stairs. Uh, I was disappointed there weren't more paintings in this one. I thought this was going to be a biography of Edvard Munch. 
Yeah, the guy that did the, this painting. I thought that's what it was going to be about. Wow. That was the first four. They had to mix it up this time. <laughs> Actually, Steve, I think that like Catherine and I really took over this one. I'm curious, in general, what did you think of this one? Oh, I didn't think you did. I thought I talked too much. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, no, I I liked it. I liked this one quite a bit. I would I would scream it. Jason. Um, but I don't think you have to. I mean, the theater for is is more fun. It's a vibe, and that's why I say yeah. VIP because there's a different type of people <laughs> that go to VIP. You're not having teenagers no. screaming and throwing things. I'm very crotchety at the movie theaters when people I, are talking. I was gonna say it. that was pretty elitist of you. The, the, yeah. the level of people in the movie. The level of people. I'll no, be honest I, with you though. I'm I'm. I'm a bit of an old lady when it comes to theater stuff too, except I saw Get Out, Jordan Peele's Get Out in the middle of Scarborough. And I don't know if anybody watching is, is familiar with Scarborough. It was the funnest experience I've ever had. People were yelling at the screen. Like I won't repeat what they were yelling at the screen, but it was fantastic. It just made the experience so much better. I feel like Scream is one of those movies too. If you had a few shouts and like input from the audience, I think it would actually be really fun. The audience I saw Megan with was like that. Like we were all just like cackling in the theater. (laughs) I felt this was was a movie. movie. I I felt it was in a weird, I felt like so far, 2023 has been like the year of party movies mm. like, like megan cocaine bear is- I, I like how you said that cocaine bear because <laughs> it's cocaine bear and like and, bear. and this one is another example and ironically they're all horror movies but it's like they're they're almost this one of the three of them is the best written but those two are just like silly you would hope everybody's enjoying themselves watching it and i felt like this was this was not that but it was that that type of thing where you're sitting there with an audience it means something like in terms of viewing i don't personally i don't think this this is like a i got to drop 20 bucks and see it in the best theater and all this no. i think if you're going to if you want to see it with a, as a communal experience it's a fun one to do yeah it's just that build up that i like like, you know, if people are talking, you don't get that, like, buildup of scariness and then the final, like, pop. Yeah. But I do, you're right. There are some movies that deserve, like, Cocaine Bear, I'd love to see in a movie fil- theater filled with people. <laughs> cocaine Bear is its own thing. Uh, but we won't, not talking about Cocaine Bear, but I- need I, to see I, that. That movie's, that, that movie's just nuts. Um, but having said that, like I said, I would, I liked this- far more than I expected I would. Is it the best one? No. But it's funny how franchises work. Like, you stop trying to make it better than any of them, I feel like, at a certain point, and you just want it to be a worthwhile entry. No, like, nobody's sitting there saying, well, it's not as good as the first one. People say that on the second movie, maybe even the Mm -hmm. third movie. Mm -hmm. Nobody says it by the sixth. And that's what I thought this movie really captured well, is it's like, this is a franchise now. Who cares if it's a trilogy? This is what we do now. We're doing something different. And I came out of it and I went, you know, you did it well. Yeah, I had I had fun. It was really well written for what it was. Um, you know, I didn't have to watch the murders um, to enjoy. 
<laughs> he saw 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. What I saw was called Scree. I just saw, <laughs> I saw Scree. Um, no, I, I, I had fun. I had fun, and that's all. It's it's not the best movie of the year, but it was a fun ride. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna take that away from it. I'm I'm honestly still surprised how they were able to be respectful of the the franchise, but bring it into like the the current era, so to speak. Uh, they they did it. I'm surprised, and I wasn't. I didn't think there was much wrong with it. The only thing I didn't like was the first scene because I thought that the teacher was really cheesy and I'm like, Oh, is that what this movie's is, uh, what this movie's going to be? And, and it wasn't, I think. Or maybe they, they started it low so that you would, your expectations yeah. would get better. But yeah. I feel like when it comes to franchises in the horror movie genre, there's something to be said about the fact that people like horror, people like true crime, people like all of this because it's almost like there's a predictability in these franchises. Like it's almost like, sounds stupid but when I go to see a horror movie I'm not expecting an Oscar worthy performance I'm not Mm. paying to go and watch like one of the most like women talking was so fantastic and like all of those like those cerebral things I'm going there to forget about the stress that I have going on at work and in life and just have fun and almost like go back to a time where you were younger and you just had fun at the movies and I feel like they did this really well I don't know if that makes sense it just feels like a coming it feels like that nostalgic comfy movie of screen mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting to say it that way but it is yeah and I'll 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 say you know I'm not a horror person at all um I will watch like I like Jordan Peele films because yeah. there's something else to it uh but in terms of horror like Jason and Freddie and it absolutely not like I don't mess with any of that scream though is nostalgic and and I've got a soft spot for it and and I'm fine with that you know I was concerned after all these years like I'm a bit of a different person than I was so I watched scream five on my computer screen while I was what while I was working on my laptop to just to have it on the background so that I um wouldn't get scared it was daylight I was distracted and I was like okay maybe maybe I'll be able to get through it and I was actually pretty cool with it and then I was like oh it's a great idea to go to the theater and watch six but no it was fine I didn't jump as much as Catherine which I was shocked at (laughs) I'm the worst because I love scary movies but I get scared so easily yeah no I think I I just I'm I'm like I'm numb now (laughs) I'm dead inside. <laughs> I'm dead inside. Yeah, I just uh, felt like I was sitting next to one of the victims. She just never moved. <laughs> if she, it was amazing because I'd be like, ah, and then I'd look at Julian and be like, oh, um, whatever. I was like, <laughs> playing it cool, are you? <laughs> whatever. Didn't scare me. But see that again. That's what I think. That's why I think this this one is surprising how well it worked because again. We know all the tropes of a film that tells you all the tropes that they're going to do. They tell it to you all. And so I, I like, I mean, again, if you don't watch the murders, you, you don't, you don't get freaked out. But I'll tell you right there's now, not much new though, when it comes to, the, to I mean. the murders. Yeah. It, there's not much that's new, except 
in the last two films they got really stabby in the face that's a yeah new for them. and the guts thing like when they slice it and then you see the little bit of the pooch come out <laughs> that was gross <laughs> the pooch but it's not new it's, it's, a, it's the steve <laughs> yeah it is the steve <laughs> on that note uh... steve and his little pooch <laughs> I almost spat on my computer. <laughs> I don't know where, how we got here. Um, thank you, ladies. Thank you so much for chatting. Scream, scream uh, six. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna wrap this up. And, uh, is this a blooper at this point? Like, careful of the sound of this is making it online. <laughs> Just this part is making it online. Yeah, I know um, this, Steve. <laughs> Steve. Um, a reminder, you can find us wherever podcasts are available. You can find us on YouTube. Like and subscribe to us. Smash that subscribe button. Um, Scream us. that subscribe button. You need to hit that bell for notifications when we come out with new <laughs> stuff. You're such an influencer. <laughs> Um, but you can find where you can find not just fantastic and intense conversations like this, but in <laughs> conversations with uh, with other industry professionals as well, talking about all sorts of projects. And if you go to the podcast page at screenfish.net, you can download Fishing for More, which is small group questions that can help you get the conversation started where you are. Um, I am I'm hoping we're back next week. Sometimes I feel like uh scheduling is a bit of a bear lately a cocaine bear i was gonna say oh, no um <laughs> i'm hoping we're talking about john wick next week but i'm still trying to nail down scheduling um but certainly you can still find us wherever podcasts are available and on youtube um so once again thank you so much to you both chatting this has been so much fun and for you at home we started the conversation this was screen <laughs> Thank you.